Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. You know, there are times when the Bible seems to be wrong about something. When I was a kid growing up, every Christmas Eve, we would go to my grandmother's house. It was a big house uh, in a, a small town, and uh, she had eight children, and there were 16 of us grandchildren, and the husband and there'd be like three dozen of us in this house, and what a great time to get together with all the cousins and run around and, and you know, out of control and have a great time, all the food that they brought. And, and we always kind of chuckled, my brother and I, because... We had cousins. I had an uncle who's a dentist. And my uncle who's a dentist would bring his kids toothbrushes and toothpaste. And after they ate all the sweet, he'd say, go brush your teeth. And we'd all... That's pretty funny. We're going to have some more candy, you know. Of course, their teeth are probably perfect today. Uh, But we had an awesome time. And um, we would... One of the traditions that we did was, and, and it was my uncle who was the dentist, one of the um, probably younger sons, but before we would open the presents, before the presents were distributed, we would sit down together and they would lower the lights and he would read the Christmas story from the Bible, from the book of Luke and the book of Matthew. He'd read those stories to us and at each place along the way where it matched up with the Christmas carol, we would stop and sing that Christmas carol. In fact, I don't know if you're aware of you, that, you know, that's what we do on, on um, Christmas Eve here. And I brought that tradition from my family and brought it in here on Christmas Eve. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. But as I got older, as I got older, upper teen years, as we would go through that story, there was something that, that started just not to sit right with me. Didn't seem, didn't seem like it was right somehow. And it wasn't about baby Jesus being born. It wasn't about God becoming a man. It wasn't about angels showing up and singing or wise. It wasn't about any of that stuff. It was, well, I tell you what, let's just look. Let's look at the story ourselves here today. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke this morning. And you can follow, we're going to have the verses on the screen, but if you'd like to follow along with us, uh, there's a Bible in the pew there, and we're going to start on page 1179. Page 1179, Luke chapter 2. This is the story that that gives us the actual time of the birth and the events that immediately happen after that. And we're going to start in verse number 8. I think we all know the story of how Mary came and made it to Bethlehem and no room in the end. Uh, But we're going to pick up in chapter 8. I mean, the baby is born. Baby Jesus has now been born. And it says this. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it was those last words of the angel that began to trouble me. I feel like this doesn't match up. Peace on earth. On earth, peace. You know, we look at the world around us and, and we see a lot of problems. How about wars? There are wars all over the world today. You know that there are 26 countries right now uh, that are involved in armed conflict of some sort? There's another 169 uh, smaller armed conflicts around the world between uh, uh, guerrillas and, and rebels and separatist groups and anarchist groups. 169 more wars. I mean, I've seen a number of wars just in my lifetime. Well, where's the peace? And then there's terrorism. State Department lists 60 known terrorist groups out there today. Uh, and we just read, didn't we, this past week about the horrific terror attack in Pakistan with a school where over 130 children were killed as revenge for another killing? Uh, or for, excuse me, some, uh, it was, uh, some other attacks. And I read in the paper a 15-year-old boy who survived this talking about his hatred for these people and how he was going to hunt them down one day and get revenge. Just continues, doesn't it? Where is the peace? And in our own culture, uh, this last few months, think about this, in Ferguson, Missouri, when the uh, uh, grand jury uh, decided that there was no, uh, nothing to indict this officer for, for the uh, killing of Michael Brown and the riots that came from that. And then uh, the, shortly after that in New York City, the same scenario with, where Eric Garner had been died. And it's, it's uh, uh, brought this whole uh, phrase, I can't breathe, as a protest uh, exclamation. Uh, and then just yesterday, two officers killed in Brooklyn, apparently as a revenge killing for these things. Where's the peace? And then in our own relationships, our own interpersonal relationships, do we always get along with each other? We don't. We don't always experience peace in our own. In our marriages, we don't always experience peace. It's not always peaceful there. And then our children experience that as well, that lack of peace in the home. And sometimes the children are the ones who are the recipients of it. And they give it right back to us sometimes. There's no peace there. And then they begin to take it out on each other. And the cycle continues. So where's the peace? And so as I was an older teenager, I began to say, there's a problem here. Because the Bible is saying the angels show up announcing the Savior's birth and they say, peace on earth. But where is it? Well, since that time, I've come to Christ as Savior, trusted Him as Savior, uh, right before I turned 20. And, and I've come to learn that when it seems that the Bible is wrong, it's not. It's our understanding of it, inevitably, that's wrong. And so this problem 
You know, the angel said, on earth, peace. peace. Where is it? Let's see if we can talk about it. See if we can uh, figure out what's the deal. The fact that there's so little peace, so much lack of peace in our world. Well, the first thing that we need to understand this problem, the problem of a lack of peace, the underlying problem, the underlying root problem for the lack of peace in our world is a problem in people's hearts. It's a problem in the hearts of individuals. That's where this problem starts. Now, now that, in some sense, could give us some hope. Because uh, if we have two people whose hearts are filled with peace and two people who want peace, then what can they do? They can have peace. And you get a number of people. So that, that offers us hope. But yet when we stop and think about it, how well do you do with always having peaceful intentions in your own heart? Do you ever struggle with that? Or is it just me? We have a problem with this. We have a problem in the hearts when it comes to peace and being willing to yield ourselves to others and what needs to happen for us to have peace. And, and if you have a hard time with your own heart, what, what hope do you have to change the heart of somebody else? Can you change anybody else's heart? You can't. Only God can change a heart. So where does that leave us with peace on earth? Is, is there no hope at all? The angel said, Jesus has come, peace on earth. Well, there is more to understand here that helps us to, to solve this problem. And that's this. The second thing is this, that when we think, let me back up, we make a mistake. We make a mistake when we think that when the angels said peace on earth, what they meant was world peace. We make a mistake when we think of it that way. Now, world peace would be a good thing, wouldn't it? Not only would it be a good thing, it would be a God thing. Because there's no way it can happen apart from God's miraculous working. Because only God can change the hearts of people, right? And so peace is not about what form of government you have, uh, how the wealth is distributed, uh, whether or not the UN is involved. Or not. That, that isn't what would bring peace. What would bring world peace would be when everyone in the world's hearts were filled with peace. Do you foresee that happening any time in the near future? That's something that only God could do. And the Bible, by the way, tells us that one day he's going to do that. But that's not what this announcement from the angels was about. You see, when the angels made this announcement, in fact, let's just look at it again here. Let me read it one more time. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And I realized that I had read something into here that isn't here. By the way, it's people do that with the Bible, okay? And they shouldn't. The angels here did not say world peace, did they? They didn't say world peace. They didn't say that every person in the world is going to be at peace with every other person in the world. They said on earth peace. Jesus has come, and now on earth there can be peace. There can be peace in my heart and in my life. Because Jesus came. Because Jesus came, there can be peace in your heart and life. So he's talking about because Jesus has come, that there can now be peace. Not world peace, but peace for you. Peace for me. 
So how do we get that? How do we get that peace? How do we begin to experience it? Well, the first, actually not the first, the most important thing you have to understand, we're talking about you know, peace and getting along with people, but here's something you have to understand. If we ever hope to make peace with others, we must first make peace with God. We must make peace with God. You may say, well, wait a minute, Walt. I, I don't have a problem with God. Me and God are fine. I'm not at war with God. Well, the Bible says that every one of us are born by nature that we are enemies of God. You say, wait a minute, enemies? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many of you think, wake up every day and say, man, I'm an enemy of God? Wouldn't be a smart thing, would it? But yet that's the way the Bible describes us. That's the way God describes us. By nature, we are enemies of God. And, and, and you might say, well, I don't know about that. Well, that's fine. I understand that. But just, just hang in there with me. Let's walk our way through this a little bit. You see, God gave to our world uh, the Word of God, the Bible. And in the Bible, He's told us the very best ways to live in all the circumstances of life. He's given us his wisdom. And if we will live by it, by the way, if people had lived by it from the very beginning, we would have world peace. But see, we haven't done that. So God has given us, because he loves us, he's told us this is the absolute best way to live your life. You'll never regret living these ways. But what have we done instead? We have not lived his ways. We've not lived by what the Bible says. And, and let's just illustrate this for a little bit. Let's go just to the short list, okay? I mean, God says a lot of things in the Bible. It's a big book. But let's go to the short list, the Ten Commandments, and think about this for just a minute. Let's walk our way through them. The first commandment, God says this. He says that I am to be the absolute most important thing in your entire life. Every moment of every day, I come first. Have you done with that one? I've broken that one many, 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 many times, and so have you. The next one, he says, he says you can't have anything, no person, no possession, no, no job, no activity, nothing else should be put up there equal with me. Ah, but you know, we've all done that in life, haven't we? Haven't we let things or people sometimes determine for us what we're going to do instead of letting God determine it? The third thing he says is that we should not use his name in vain. And certainly that means if you've ever used God's name as a cuss word or even as just sort of a throwaway expression like, oh my God, that's using God's name in vain. Or claiming to, that you believe in God and that you want to do what God says, but then doing something else. See, you've taken the name of God and misapplied it. I've broken that one, have you? We've all broken it. And then he talks about the Sabbath. And what we're going to get from that is this principle that God gets to decide what we do with every day of our life. He's the one that says, on this day you can do this, and this day you can do that. And we ought to let him determine what we do with our days. Has there ever been a day when you decided what to do instead of letting God lead you? We all have. I've done that many times. So we've broken that command. The next one is about honoring your parents, which means when you're young, you obey them. You always do what they say. And throughout your entire life, you respect them and give them the honor that's due to them. Ever break that one? You guys are looking a little doubtful here. 
We've all broken that one. And then he, he says, um, don't kill, don't murder. And you go, finally one. It didn't break. Ah, but Jesus talked about this and he said that when you have hatred in your heart toward anybody, that that's the root problem behind murder. Have you ever found yourself with feelings of hatred for somebody? You've broken that commandment, so have I. And then he talks about don't commit adultery. And you might say the same thing, but Jesus got in the mix on this one too. And he said adultery, ultimately really about what's going on in your heart and mind. And he says if you're pondering this and thinking about it, ever, you've had this desire to someone, you're thinking about someone that you're not married to, that that is at the root sin of adultery. And so I've broken that. Have you? We've all broken that at some point. And then he says, don't steal. Okay? Almost all of us at some point in our life have taken something that didn't belong to us. But I, if you can't ever remember a time when you actually picked up an item and took it when it didn't belong to you, consider this. Have you ever been at work where they're paying you for your time and you decided to check Facebook? Or do something else, not work? What have you just done? You've taken time that belongs to somebody else and taken it for yourself. You've broken this commandment. So have I. You're always supposed to tell the truth. Well, we know we've all broken that one, haven't we? We've all broken that one from time to time. And the last one, he says, don't covet. And by covet, he means where you get this desire in your heart for something so much and you just want it, whether it could be a person, a relationship, a thing, so much that you actually ponder, you actually consider doing what you know is wrong to get it. We've all done that. We've all broken that commandment. All right, so think about this. The short list, the short list, we've all broken many, many, many times. This is why the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all failed to measure up to God's standards. We've all broken his laws. Now here's the question you want to ask yourself. If you were standing before God being judged on how you've lived your life then, and, and it's documented that time after time after time after time, you have broken his commandments. Would you be guilty or innocent? We'd all be guilty. And then God determines the sentence. On the basis of your guilt for breaking God's commandments repeatedly, would you earn heaven or hell? It would be hell. Because we have repeatedly gone against what God says. So do you understand that we have lived like enemies of God? We have stood in opposition to God and what he says is true and right. We've, we've done our own thing instead of doing what he says. We've been. So can you see that, that making peace with God is the most important thing you could ever do in this life? Because when this life is over, you don't have an opportunity to make peace with God. You must do it here and now. That's what we talk about. We need to make peace with God. Now I have good news for you. Because that sounds like pretty bad news so far. Good news is this. is that God has already done 
everything that needs to be done on his side for there to be peace between you and him. The Bible tells us in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19, it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And what that means is this baby Jesus that we celebrate today being born and coming into the world and he lived a perfect and sinless life, never sinned. And then he went to the cross and as he dies on the cross, the Bible tells us that God the Father took all the penalty and guilt for my sins and put it on Jesus as he died on the cross. All the guilt and penalty for your sins, he put it on Jesus as he died on the cross. And he's made provision for that penalty to be paid for you. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that God had accepted his payment for sin. And now he offers to you and I the opportunity to receive Christ as Savior and to receive that payment for our sins. Let's just imagine a story here for a little bit. Imagine this story with me. Somehow in your life, you have managed to incur debt that is beyond what you could ever repay in many lifetimes. Okay? I don't know how you did that, but you have. You have debt that you could never pay off on your own. And so you get dragged into court because you're not paying your debts. And they, they outline there before you, this is your debt, you owe it, and you either pay it today or you go to jail for the rest of your life. And when you're in jail, you won't have the opportunity to pay it off. And, and so this is where you're at. What are you going to do? You're facing life in prison, aren't you? But what if then the judge said, but you know my son, has already put up the money for this. The money for this debt that you owe is already set over here in escrow account. It's, it's, it's available. He's already put it there for you. You think you want it? Do you want it? Well, what do I have to do to get it? And he says to you, all you have to do is humble yourself and admit that this is your debt. You really do owe this debt. And then say, I want to receive that as payment for me. That's all you have to do. Now, wouldn't it take a fool at that moment to say, no, I don't want that. I don't want that payment. I'm going to go to jail forever. Well, see, this is what God has done for us. We owe this sin debt. We have sinned against God. We have earned hell. And what he says to us, my son already paid the penalty for you. And all you have to do to receive it is humble yourself and admit that it's your debt, that it's your sin. And then, by faith, receive that payment for yourself. And when you do that, you can receive forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins now and forever. God himself can come and live inside of you and begin to help you change from the inside out. When your life ends, you will go to heaven as opposed to hell. This is all good news. And all you have to do is admit your need and then accept what he wants to do for you. So let's bow our heads at this time. 
just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me and make peace with God. All you have to do is, is in your own heart and mind, as I pray, you pray along with me silently. God knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your mind. Just pray along silently, and God will hear, and God will know, and God will answer your prayer. If you're here today and you say, yeah, I know I have sinned against God. I know that my sins have separated me from him. I know that I have this sin debt that I cannot pay. I know that I need to make peace with God. If that's where you're at right now, then silently pray along with me. Say something like this to God in your heart. Say, God, right now as I'm praying, you pray along with me. God, I have sinned. I know that. I know that I've broken your commands many times. I know that, my, that that sin has earned me hell. But I don't want to go to hell. I want to make peace with you. I believe that Jesus did die for my sins. That he paid for my sins. And right now, by faith, I receive his payment for me. I receive Christ as my Savior to provide me that forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Amen. Nobody looking around. Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed, please. I want to give you an opportunity here to respond in a way that's going to help you and it's going to help me to help you. I'd like to pray for you. If you just prayed with me to make peace with God, you just prayed with me to receive Christ as Savior, with nobody else looking around but me, I'm going to ask you, would you raise your hand and indicate that to me right now? Yes, I see that hand. Others? Yes, I see those hands. Yes. Yes, all over the place. Thank you. Any others? Father, thank you for these who have indicated that today they have received your Son as Savior. They've received your payment. They have made peace with you here today. We are so grateful for that, Father. And I pray that you will make it a reality in their lives. And as they go forward from here, that they will begin to follow you and live their lives more and more according to your word. They not only might have made peace with you, Father, but they might experience your peace in their hearts and in their lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.